Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023, and this is episode 543 of the Lots Project podcast, where we're defying norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled RV Pet Challenges, A Weekend Away or Full-Time, and I'll be talking about some of the challenges we face and some that we have seen from others that have pets in RVs as we've uh, done research for our journey, not necessarily into pets, but we followed a bunch of people that were full-timers and uh, some had pets and mentioned some things, but mainly going to focus on the situation we pretty much put ourselves in with uh, having these three enormous, uh, enormous animals with us on the road. But first, let's grab a cup of coffee, catch up on what's going on and have a little chat. We'll hit uh, the live chat here and uh, have a few topics on the coffee chat list this morning. So, Good morning, good morning. How is everybody doing? Good morning, Loco. Mike, the Philippine Nomad. How are we doing? Uh, MSU Rifle and uh, Gingerbread Farms. Thanks for swinging in this morning. Hope everything is going all right. Ah, what uh, what is in the cup today, man? Um, I think we're just finishing off the very end of the Peruvian, uh, Peruvian light. We'll open up a new bag tomorrow of some. Not sure what it's going to be. It's going to be a long. Um, a long few days going into SRF. We have a work day tomorrow out at Delinquent Scully. We have a vendor and early setup on Friday at SRF up at SOE Tactical in Camden. And then Saturday and Sunday all day events uh, up there at SOE again. It's a, it makes for a long one. Makes it for a long one for sure. Corey is hard at work already this morning. She's trying to uh, get out of there. I think after today, she's done through next um, next Wednesday, I believe. She took so took a little time off. Um, All Gingerbread Farm says there's a Winnebago ad. That's uh, that's great. <laughs> they they have definitely uh, they definitely use the uh, a logarithm to hit up the the ad for this morning. So that's good. That's good. YouTube has got me targeted. Could be RV in the in the title, but um, anyway, what do we have to talk about this morning in the coffee chat? Yesterday, yesterday was good progress day out at Delinquent Scully. I um, I met Tim and Becky out there. Becky came down from uh, from the frozen north of Alberta, where the snow I believe is flying already, and the heat is on in the, in the houses. Yeah, not for me, man. Not for me. But uh, Becky came down, she came out, Tim and I and Becky worked uh, on the property. We kind of did some final preps to find some areas for people to camp while they were here for workday. Cleared out uh, some parking spots along the easement road. Cleared trails to some some larger camping campsites for people uh, if they want to camp alone. We want to camp with others and then uh, man there's 15 acres to explore and uh, set up camp if you want to just kind of meander off somewhere else and get lost but uh, there's there's a bunch of natural clearings out there that uh, wouldn't take much a um, wouldn't take much of 
uh, much of a clearing or just following a deer trail to get into some really cool isolated spots um, that are already pretty clear. Uh, it was nice when we walked around in the spring and kind of scoped out the property when Becky and Tim first came down and um, we found a bunch of areas that had been that, that are just naturally cleared that we, there's not a whole lot of work to go into to get them ready for a uh, minimum a campsite, a tent site or a hammock site is fantastic. So that is uh, kind of what we did. Final kind of plans and logistics between who's going to be out there when and um, greeting people. It is kind of just a, a, a raw piece of land out in the middle of nowhere and it, there's no signage. There's no no anything. Uh, so yeah, we kind of got to meet the first person out there, show them where everything is. And then hopefully if, uh, if we got to take off at some point that, uh, they can just play information, information tag as more people show up, but, uh, should be pretty nice. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend or a fun work day for sure. And then, uh, and then a fun weekend into SRF and stuff. Gingerbread says, um, yesterday the lawyers inspected the farm for custody battle seems to have gone well. That's, that's good. That's good. Um, what is, do they have to make sure the, the living conditions are okay? Is that what they were inspecting a farm for a custody battle? I, uh, that can be, that's probably the only thing I could think of why they would be doing that, but I guess monetarily or whatever, but, um, yeah, interesting. Um, so as we were, uh, as we're cleaning up and we were getting ready for delinquent scully work day on Thursday, uh, we ended up getting a sign hung up. Uh, Nate and Aaron at Two Chicks Homestead, when they had their Illinois meetup with Tim on his way down, they um, they made him a sign. They handmade him a uh, or handmade Tim and Becky a sign for Delinquent Scully. It's this uh, beautiful uh, wood burn sign hanging uh, <laughs> to hang like on the outside of a cabin or uh, or a bunch of different places. And as we were working on the outhouse at the, at the kind of the entrance of the property, basically there'd be like a driveway that comes into the property, goes over to a small parking area eventually. But um, right as you drive by, there was uh, the spot we wanted to put the, the first outhouse, the main outside, the main outhouse uh, for the property. And there, when Tim and I started clearing out the underbrush, there was a kind of a natural arch, um, natural arch hey pip good morning thanks for uh stopping in M good morning to you driving through north florida heading y'all's way nice nice when do you expect to uh pop in pip when are you uh when are you getting up here um and so when we cleared out the underbrush to move material we weren't even doing it as like an entrance we weren't really sure how we wanted to flow traffic or anything yet um foot traffic and as we were cleaning out, clearing out the underbrush, we kind of stepped back and we were, we were talking for a second and you looked and there was this huge tree that had been kind of something had fallen on it and it, it made a, a big arch. It kind of supported itself up on another tree, been there for a long time. You could tell it's just growing there naturally. And, um, nice 5 PM tonight. Nice. Nice. Uh, are you camping out at delinquents belly or are you, um, are you hoteling it the whole time? Uh, and then, so there's a natural arch and we were like, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. 
Uh, we had been kind of going under the the small side of the arch, but the 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 main part was kind of cleared or uh, covered with brush. Once we picked uh, opened it up, it just looked like a natural entrance way to the property, and it was it it kind of one of those um, one of those things where accidentally you discovered something that probably should have uh, happened anyway. And so we were all excited about this, uh, Tim and I, for quite a quote. <laughs> from the time we we cleared it out and we started building that outhouse. And um, I was thinking about this sign that he had gotten. And I was like, hey, man, we should hang the sign there. And Tim's like, I don't know. I don't know. I think I want to hang it on the on the cabin, on the first cabin we get up there. And we went back and forth. And I was like, hey, man, it's, it's your sign. It's your property. It's your call. Um, we'll make up another sign for down here, for sure, for sure. He's like, oh, OK, that sounds good um man the boss showed up but <laughs> uh, becky came down uh we uh she's like hey we should hang that sign up on the arch and uh yeah that's where it is that's where it is so we got that put up it looks fantastic there i'm glad uh i'm glad uh we did we hung it up there tim was very impressed uh how it looks nate and aaron did an awesome job on the sign it just looks fantastic so well done, guys, and uh, I will uh, be sure to uh, keep on them or do it myself, get that sealer on it uh, once a season or so, just to make sure that lasts out there. But it's basically the entrance to the property, and it looks great. So, <sighs> yeah, that uh, that adventure got to stand up on the. It's it's quite a ways up there. Let's let's say uh, I don't know if I can touch the sign. Um, standing on the ground i was like standing on the side bed of, of tim's truck to get up there and and get it uh get it put up so there is that um yeah that was kind of what we did uh all day it was just kind of clear and uh plan clean up uh clean up the parking areas and things like that so uh we can accommodate uh the people that are showing up which we really don't even know we were we were having uh we were having throwdowns on who how many people you thought were going to show up so we'll see we will see we will see <laughs> gingerbread farm says it sounds safe oh safety safety is definitely uh the concern out there <laughs> i got into the bed of the truck to um to try it and then i was leaning too far so to be safer i stepped up onto the sidewall of the bed and uh and held on with the tree so I had three points of contact and then ran the drill and uh, screwed the, the sign in. So it is, it was a uh, safety conscious for sure. It was safer standing on the side bed than it was um, standing in the bed. So there is that. There is that. Hey, no ladder. We didn't have a ladder out there. So made it work. We adapted it and overcame. Uh, what else today we have? It's Wednesday. It's normal, uh, grocery and laundry and that fun day. I get to uh, make sure I hit up factor supply day to, uh, stock up on propane. <coughs> not a bad, not a bad, um, it's not a bad cycle this time on the propane. It was a little longer on our 30 pound tank, but the, the one, the second one emptied up so as soon as there's two empty they go down and get filled up while we run out the third one so that is on the docket today i got to work on my srf presentation that is happening on sunday that um still needs some work still needs some work for sure so i'll be able to take some laundry time and uh and sit down and and hopefully pound that out and um 
pound that out and uh, and get it finalized because that is coming quicker than uh, than I ever expected. You know, when when uh, I talked to Nicole and verified that I was speaking, I was like, oh, I got all sorts of time to prepare this presentation. Here we are, four days, four days, I think, out from when I do it. Well, five days, maybe. I don't know. I can't even count that high. Uh, but um, yeah, that's coming up and need to need to find. We're going to be talking about um, going to be talking about some things that uh, we experienced on the road. Some funny stories, I guess. Funny. Um, I don't know. Funny. They might be funny to other people. A lot of it was a uh, pain in the ass experiences, but um, it's uh, I I learned some stuff, and I think uh, I think a lot of the the lessons that that popped to mind when I thought about the last year on the road uh, apply to SRF. They the things that I learned from the experiences, from the stories I want to tell, really apply to SRF. Uh, I'm speaking towards the end of the event, so I think it ties really well into sending people home, um, you know, really solidifying some some things to think about on top of all the awesome skills and networking and things like that that they they pick up while at SRF. So I'm excited to do it. I uh, It's kind of the culmination of a year. Uh, a little over a year ago, I stood there and told, I think it was Tim, and uh, some other people we were standing around a group i was like man we're taking off we're launching here right now uh we should probably come back to fall srf next year and uh, it'll be like a year it'll be our first year maybe i should speak yeah well that planted the seed and it happened so there is that msu rifle says like me catching a swarm off the top of a six foot step ladder in the bed of my truck yeah don't do that um <laughs> At least I was doing something that wasn't going to sting and attack me, fly around my head and make me wave my arms back and forth. So I, uh, yeah, no fun catching, catching bees. Uh, and speaking of ladders in the back of trucks, we, uh, we had this kid that, um, had this kid I worked with back at the gas station, uh, job that, uh, that thought it was appropriate when his ladder, his extension ladder, his uh, 18 foot extension ladder wasn't quite tall enough to get onto the top of a canopy. Uh, you know, the canopies over the gas pumps had to go up on top of that to uh, look at a vent, clogged vent. And uh, he decided that his extension ladder wasn't quite long enough. So he pulled his truck up, put the extension ladder in the bed of the truck and climbed his happy ass up on the top of that canopy. I saw a picture of it and I said, you, you are nuts and I'm probably not gonna work with you uh, probably not going to work with you very much longer but uh yeah you know when you can go to the shop that's 20 minutes away and pick up a ladder that is long enough i think uh, throwing it in the back of the truck like that is a little ridiculous but you got to do what you got to do you got to do what you got to do i can't say that i did uh, all by the book in that job myself but uh heights and ladders and climbing are not one thing that i i mess around with i I always have rested on the fact that I'm I'm six foot five and I'm I'm far enough off the ground. I don't need to go any further up away from from stable ground. So that's my mo. Anyway, we're uh, up here at 16 minutes. Let's uh, roll into that topic of the day. Uh, today we are talking pets and RVs. And every day I like to bring something related to the episode that in some way helps support the Lots Project. Today, I just have links in the show notes. And uh, man, I forgot. I forgot yesterday that Prime Days were here. 
I've been so busy prepping for SRF, for uh, doing show prep and all the other things that I totally missed Prime Day. We don't order a whole lot of Amazon anymore. I'm not on the site and I, I completely missed it. But if you're going to be shopping for Prime Days today, if you would consider clicking on one of our affiliate links, that helps us a ton. No matter what you buy, you can find any affiliate link. I will drop some in the Telegram group uh, and around social media here after the show. But I completely forgot yesterday. Somebody popped on in the in the chat and talked about Prime Day. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, anyway, every day I like to bring items around today. Those are Amazon are things from Amazon that can help solve some of the R the pet RV issues that I will be talking about today. Um, just, just items that we've picked up that have made our life easier. They might not really apply to your situation, depending on the size of your dogs or, um, or if you're full-timing or, or just uh, going out for the weekend. But these affiliate links, if you click them and then you purchase anything on that shopping trip, it earns us a small commission. And if you don't purchase that item, it still works. So as always, thank you for using those links and, and uh, helping support the Lots Project. And uh, now to the topic of the day, um, RVs and pets. Man, <laughs> if you listen to the show at all, if you've listened uh, from the beginning, if you've kind of uh, followed along with the adventure, if you've listened for more than a couple of weeks, I'm sure you've heard us talk or heard me talk about uh, our three our three tiny dogs that uh, we decided to take into a camper with us. Some days I sit and I look around and I interact with them. And at the end of the day, I'm so frustrated that I question my sanity and why we um, why we uh, why we decided to do this with them. Uh, it wasn't a choice about them. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't in in the decision making process. It was for Corey and I, and we had made the commitment to have the dogs when we were in Minnesota, and when we decided to leave Minnesota, they were coming with us. Like it wasn't. It wasn't a matter of can we do this with the dogs? Do we have to wait till they're gone? Like how this happens? We were gonna do what we were gonna do, and we were just gonna have to accommodate with them. I think the same thing holds true for people that have pets, they have dogs, uh, cats that that they don't want to leave alone, uh, even on a weekend vacation or a week-long vacation or um, just getting away. When you take those pets with you, it, it, it can present some challenges. Uh, ours in particular, present a lot of uh, unique challenges that uh, that most people aren't going to deal with. I have our our things that uh, that we that we came up with that are the challenges we face uh, here at the beginning, and then towards the end, I have uh, some some one some challenges that we had picked up from others that that we follow on YouTube or read in articles or things like that while we were researching our pets or just researching full-time RV life in general. Um, uh, Gingerbread says he got a bowl for the truck that doesn't spill. It's a road refresher bowl. That's uh, that's interesting. Like we, huh, yeah, we don't feed while we're moving for sure. But um, let me let me start hitting these. I'm going to touch on them. I'm going to go through the list and and see where we end up. But uh, man, number one on the list, especially with St. Bernard's, 
uh, they drink a ton of water. I could not. Um... <laughs> oh, Hunter. Hunter says, I thought you were going to say kids, pets, cats, dogs, and kids. Well, <laughs> I mean, these guys are my kids. So he, uh, they, uh, they, they eat as much. They're as big as any child that I could have. I mean, really. Uh, but St. Bernard's drink a ton we we were made aware of this before we got walter we were made aware of it um again when we picked up walter from the breeder and when he got home it blew our mind it blew our mind how much water they drink not only do they drink a lot of water as they drink water they slobber back into the water so you know if you fill a bowl with water and they drink half of it. They can't drink the other half because it's absolutely disgusting. Um, this is is St. Bernard and uh, a few other breeds specific that they consume this much water. And then uh, multiply it out by a couple. Uh, we have three. One doesn't drink as much. Our, our mix, our Great Dane St. Bernard mix does not drink as much water. But uh, man, with the three of them, they consume way more water than we do. And when we decide to go boondocking, when we decide to plan a trip, um, plan a trip somewhere, when we uh, want to sit down for a little while and don't have water hookups, it, it is really in the forefront of our mind where we're going to get our water because it happens a lot. Um, I think we go through, I would say five to eight gallons of drinking water a day i don't know corey's got her earplugs in she's working already i don't know if uh i don't know exactly but i i would guess just in drinking water we probably go through uh i would have to say five gallons between corey and i and the the three dogs at least five to eight gallons that's a significant amount when you're when your tank only holds 40 gallons and then, uh, like I've mentioned before, we have our transfer tank in the truck that holds 70. But man, it goes quick. It goes quick when that is just washed uh, drinking water. It has nothing uh, nothing to do with, with cleaning, um, for cooking water, for making coffee, uh, tea, things like that, washing dishes, uh, showering. Add in all that. And we're just, we are flying through water. If it was just Corey and I, I, I think we would be down. We would be probably at uh, a couple of gallons, three gallons, maybe between tea, water and drinking, maybe four. Uh, and man, you really just th these guys consume water like crazy. So the amount of water they drink is definitely a challenge for us. And sourcing that water when we're places that uh, don't have hookups and on the water front, it um, it also um the filtering of the water is definitely something that uh, the time it takes to filter the water um gingerbread farm says yeah the dogs don't get the ro water yeah ours do get uh, berkey water and i was just going to kind of get to that we run all our drinking water through the berkey um st bernard's also have very very sensitive stomachs they're known for sensitive stomachs uh when we change food i'm going to talk about food in a little while but uh, when we change food if they have any sort of uh, nastiness in the water they just throw it back up and it's uh, it's more of a mess so we run all our drinking water for us and the dogs through uh the berkey and so yeah 
that is another challenge getting it getting the gallons through that and keeping it in process we bought the biggest berkey we could for the space we had and uh, it keeps up it keeps up when the when the filters start to get clogged uh when they get dirty if we're in a in some place that has particularly dirty water um we will we it'll slow down we'll have to clean those filters to actually keep up but it's uh it's definitely a challenge it's definitely a challenge uh next on the list was um this is something that that everybody kind of deals with uh especially if it's a dog with sensitive stomachs or uh specific dietary needs purchasing dog food can get uh, can get very interesting if you don't need to worry about the brand of dog food, like if you can switch foods back and forth with your dog and they don't mind, they just eat it all, they don't get sick or anything like that, I don't think you're going to have a problem. But as we took off, um, we we realized that a lot of things are regional. I have another thing down here on the list, um, meds, uh, medicines, uh, different places across the across the country have different regional brands that they like food uh medicines uh flea and tick control things like that just over-the-counter medicines uh i've noticed that as you travel the country different regional things kind of different regions really set into different main brands uh the dog food we strategically changed to something that we hoped that we could find everywhere. We went with a brand that you could find at Tractor Supply, um, and it it turned out to work okay, uh, except the fact that we have struggled to find it in stock. Uh, but finding uh, finding the um, the specific brand, if we hadn't changed, if we hadn't dialed down, would have been even even harder. And as we traveled around, it finding finding the stores that carry it, making sure that we plan ahead and source where uh, where we're going to get that food, how we're going to get it. We go through a ton of food. We have to stock a ton of food, um, and it gets difficult. It gets it's something that that we think about constantly. What happens if we can't find the food we need? How do we transition them? What will we go to next? That's even more generic that maybe we can find at Walmart or maybe we could find at any store, a store that we're going to be able to find anywhere. It's um, it's definitely putting puzzles together and kind of planning ahead for sure, picking it up when we can. Uh, when you find it in stock, I buy extra, uh, but we are limited to how much we can pack away just by weight, size and space restrictions. So food uh sourcing food sport sourcing specific food can be very very challenging um next is a, a vet uh veterinary care if something happens to the pet what happens when you have to go to an out-of-state vet we got lucky enough when when walter had his had the infection on his leg while we were here in tennessee that i found a vet that i just walked in i didn't need uh it was an open house like um two days a week, you could just bring your pet in. There was no appointments. Basically, I told them how old he was and what kind of breed he was. I walked in, got examined, and it was super affordable. Now, when we were back in Minnesota, we struggled to get, um, we struggled to get, uh, 
them into vets to change vets to get appointments we had friends that uh, were trying to get like a cat into a, a vet when they moved the vet was like years out on appointments well we don't have years to wait uh to to get to accommodate this vet to to get in on the schedule so we were lucky enough here to find the vet that took a, a to, took open call but i can imagine especially in some of the remote rural places that we like to stay that veterinary care can be an issue knock on wood we were only we've only had to go to the vet once um since we took off since we launched a year ago a little over a year ago now actually that we haven't had to really find that but um the thought is always there the thought is always what happens if we have to take the dog to the vet where do we go when you sit home you have your vet that you go to or that comes to you but as you're traveling you don't have that familiarity with what's good what's bad it's kind of like with the vehicle and trying to find a mechanic that that is uh that's suitable for your needs when i try to find that vet i uh i don't know i i try to read reviews online uh, do people really give bad reviews to vets i mean they do but is it because it was so expensive or was it because it was actually bad care you never really know uh, until you are a, a local. When you're never a local, it's really tough to get uh, to get good, good, uh, solid information on where to go. So finding vet care, we have gotten lucky with it. We we have uh, we don't really have a process that we go through. We basically Google Google search all the vets local and start calling and seeing what we can do, um, and then we try to take care of everything we can on our own so that we don't have to go to a vet but you know sometimes it's unavoidable like when dog has a big old gash in his leg and it, it ends up getting infected so um next on the list uh one of the things that we have a, a big struggle with is where we can stay uh both where we're allowed to stay and where we feel comfortable staying our boys are very loud um they're very loud not not necessarily intentionally or they they just bark at things they get uh they get alerted on things they get i would say uncomfortable as like as as we're traveling as we sit down uh, new things new people new animals around uh we they they get uh they get alerted a lot and and one will bark when one barks the other three bark they get all wound up uh when you're in a campground and people are constantly walking by. You have people parked right next to you where their windows are right up to your windows, where people are coming outdoors. It is very, it is very difficult to have our guys there. Basically, we need to have the windows shut, the shades shut, and everything to keep them from constantly barking at people. And it's not like a shih tzu's barking inside a camper. It is it, it's it's very loud. You can hear it outside. Uh, it's very disturbing. It's super loud inside and disturbing for us in, in here. But uh, yeah, it really limits where we can stay for that fact to make us comfortable uh, dealing with them. Also, we need to uh, exercise them, take them out. And man, it is a spectacle when when we go out of the camper, even with one of them, let alone with all five of us, the three of them and the two of us. We routinely have people stop on the road in their cars uh, and try to talk to us while we're trying to control uh, 340 pound plus dogs. 
it gets iffy. It gets iffy. Um, we put ourselves in that situation. Like I, I, I understand all of this. Like I'm not saying that it should have been. It should be different. It is what it is. But it really limits us where we can stay, where we choose to stay. And then for real, like there are plenty of campsites that will not let you come in with dogs that big, with that breed of dog. <coughs> it's their campsite. It's private property. They can do what they want. But it's just no questions asked. Um, a lot of the times you would show up. We haven't had to experience this because we we knew this from other other full timers. You'd show up and there was no question of if you had dogs, if you had pets, there was a little disclaimer somewhere on their site or somewhere where you didn't see you show up and they're like, you can't stay here. You can't, you can't stay here with that dog. Um, you can't, you can't have that type of dog here. Like, well, maybe it would have been great if you asked me ahead of time, but I, I have definitely uh, seen more than one person run into that experience in, in full-time RV groups where they just show up and boom, you can't stay here with that kind of dog. What do you do? It's not like you just ruined your vacation where you go home and uh, man, you try again later. You, you, we have to find some place to live. Like we have to find some place to sleep. We have to find some place to be. If we had uh, expected to stay there for any significant time, uh, you have to make those plans on the fly. Really understanding where you can stay and where you can't. Another thing that we've really considered is if something happens to our rig, if something happens to the RV and we have to find some place to stay, not a lot of hotels are letting um, three dogs this size in, let alone three dogs this size and and uh, dirtiness level, I guess you'd say. So finding places to stay can be a super challenge, uh, especially in an emergency situation where we're trying to find shelter uh, that it would accept these guys. So we are uh, very conscious of that. And then, you know, you, you try to come up with contingency plans. You try to come up with, um, with what, what ifs and what would you do? But in our situation, as we're traveling around, it's not like I'm sitting, I'm not sitting in Minnesota at my, at my farm going, well, if my house burned down, what am I going to do? I had certain resources in place. I knew people, I knew their locations. I knew where I could go. I knew who would accept them uh, and who wouldn't, how long I could stay there. As you're traveling around, I do, I, you know, I have community close. I have community that I talk to. We have community that we can go see. But we're always moving. We're always reevaluating it. It's a constant, it's a constant evaluation of what ifs and uh, and emergency scenarios, which is okay. I mean, it's okay. It's not it's not the end of the world by any means. But it's definitely another thing we have to consider as we plan routes and as we and as we decide to sit down for any period of time. So, Gingerbread Farm says find a local breeder and ask them the best vet. There is that, but man. <laughs> You take a lot of stock and breeders and then you realize that um, the majority of them are just, uh, yeah, not worth, not worth the advice they're going to give you. Just, just in my experience, um, just because they can breed dogs or attempt to breed dogs doesn't make them smart by any means, by any means at all. Um, so where we can stay is very limited and it can be an issue uh, in an emergency situation or in just travel planning. Uh, the next thing I have on my list is 
<coughs> excuse me, excuse me. Uh, they have our, they have to exercise. Our guys have to exercise. When we were at the farm, we had an acre fenced in for them. They were outside. Uh, a lot of times they had outside exercise time off leash where they got to run around, play with each other, um, hit them or uh, <laughs> run, wrestle, all that shit uh, had plenty of room. As we've gone on the road, they were never uh, they were never trained to stay around. Uh, I don't think necessarily they would run off. They they seem very very attached, and that uh, they they're not sure. Maybe here we've sat long enough that they uh, they would venture out a little bit. But as we travel, you could notice that they really didn't want to go far. Do I trust that? There's something else on the list here that uh, that I'll I'll hit on on this, but do I trust they're not going to run away? I I I really don't. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of things you can tie a dog this size to um, to have them kind of out and about outside. It is very um, it's it's interesting trying to figure out places to walk them privately walking walking them on private land out on trails out in the middle of nowhere is fantastic it is it is when we were in texas for for the winter there were um there were horse trails all over the property we stayed on it was 600 acres private trails all over the place it was absolutely phenomenal for four months uh they got all the exercise they could ever need uh every morning every afternoon they're still getting those walks but here in Tennessee, where we decided to sit down, where it made sense to to stay for an extended period of time, basically I can walk them up and down a road, up and down a, a paved country road that is a lot busier than I ever thought it would be. But it's just it's not as um, it's not as enjoyable as those trails in Texas. Let me tell you, but it has to be done. These dogs, uh, if they don't. Um... <laughs> uh they don't they don't um i'm sorry james says huskies don't run and all i could picture was uh the husky in my neighborhood growing up that was constantly running around <laughs> but uh yeah taking them for a walk if these guys don't get their walks uh they're an absolute nightmare and you can only imagine uh, a wound up 180 pound toddler trying to wrestle with his 140 pound brother you hear it sometimes in the morning on uh, on the show that uh, that is after they've gone out and and had their morning business and they come in you ever seen a dog uh you ever notice that after they they take a crap they they uh, get a whole lot of energy and they want to run around <laughs> yeah that's when my guys come back in in the morning right before the show and decide that they're going to wrestle so um, getting them to exercise is, is definitely a concern and a challenge. Sometimes Texas was fantastic. It was not a challenge at all. When we came here trying to find some place to walk them, um, enough, we don't walk a ton long distances. We do uh shorter long or shorter, more frequent walks. Like right now they get, uh, they get two, two half hour walks a day and then uh, a couple potty breaks on top of that. And uh, it's, it's significant when you're not, you're not somewhere where you can get them off, off the beaten path. It's a spectacle for sure, for sure. And lots of people stop and talk to us. 
Um, so they need exercise, climate control. Our guys are, are uh, oh, man, that is a nightmare for us. Uh, our breed specific, man, St. Bernard's, they were meant to be in the snow. <laughs> we were escaping the cold. We purchased these dogs and this breed because of where we were when we got them, not for future plans that we had no idea we were going to do. Uh, but man, when you make that commitment, you, uh, you have to figure it out. One of the things that we have to do is uh, keep them cold, keep them cool. In the camper, that means running the air conditioner. That means we need power or at least to run a generator all the time. It also means that we can't stay in Texas in the summer. There's no, no way we could ever stay in Texas in the summer. We are definitely curbing where we're at to try to accommodate them. Uh, it works out. Corey is is definitely uh, definitely a uh, a temperate person. I think she really likes having the dogs around because she'll be like, "Hey, we should really turn the air on for the dogs." <laughs> but it's it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, the climate control on the dogs. We never have to worry about heat for sure. They uh, they do not give two shits about it being cold. But as soon as it starts to warm up in here, that is something that we have to take into account. Uh, A, because they're uncomfortable and drive us crazy. They pant, they drool, they slobber, um, they they pace, things like that. But really, it can become a health issue with them because they do have such heavy coats that they they will overheat pretty quick. And even our short hair is, is an issue because his short hair uh, doesn't let him uh, regulate temperature very easily. So he has trouble with both hot and cold. The, the, the two furry Bernards there, they don't have much trouble with cold. They, uh, they actually prefer it. And I'm guessing they would be, uh, be happy if we ended up back somewhere where it was like negative 20, because that's when they enjoyed spending time outside and, and just laying in snowbanks. But Climate control is an issue. We have to make sure we have uh, an eye on the, the average temperatures that we have someplace to plug in that uh, that that we can run the air or we have to have a plenty of supply of fuel to run the generator so that we can run the air to keep these guys uh, temp temperate. Um, one of the things that we 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 struggle with and we are trying to prepare for uh is access to our truck and camper. Uh, if you if you follow along from the beginning or you heard me mention it along the way, I basically, I, I took the back seat out of our four-door truck. Uh, I took the back seat out. I built a platform for them. We realized having the three of them and needing some place for them to be able to travel, that there was a lot of wasted space in the truck with uh, the seat back and behind the seats. When I was able to pull the seats out and put a platform in, we gained a ton of extra room back there, which allows them to all lay down. They all have their individual spots in the back seat. And, but that worked out great. We, we figured that out. It does limit us if something happens to our truck and we need to get a new one or we need to uh, have a, a loaner vehicle on the road. If uh, our truck breaks down and we need to take a, uh, a tow truck, uh, we're basically trying to rent a cargo van to 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 drive these guys around. Uh, so that'll take some extra retrofitting if we ever have to move into a truck. But the other problem is that truck being so high off the ground, they need to be able to get into it. 
we need to use pet ramps. Uh, I recommend one of those in the Amazon link, a pet ramp that we use that we've bought multiple of. We have one for the truck. We have one for the camper. Uh, they get used. They get used a lot. Sometimes uh, shit happens and went sideways. We've had them um, through the fault of our own. It's, it wasn't a product defect by any means. Uh, we've had to buy new ones. Uh, and it, it works. We have to use it on the camper. Our dogs can probably go up the steps into the camper. It's not good for them. Dogs that size jumping in and out of truck, jumping in and out of the camper, taking the stairs. It's really bad on their back. So we definitely use the pet ramps um, to get in and out. Access to the camper, even with a smaller dog, a uh, lab or bigger, uh, it's not really good for them to dive in and out. Having that pet ramp around uh, solves that, that access challenge. But like I said, what happens when the ramp breaks? What happens when the truck breaks down? What happens when we need a new vehicle or need to get towed? and uh, trying to accommodate these guys in a tow truck. Corey had to experience it once with just one dog um, when we had a flat tire on the truck before we took off and she didn't, we didn't have the, the, um, the long tool to get the, the tire to drop down, go figure. And uh, they're not a standard thing. You would think, you would think a car company would make the, the tool to drop the, drop the spare tire down a standard size. Yeah, no, no. So she ended up taking a ride with Clyde, but uh, she, he was small enough. She was able to get him up into the, into the cab of the, the tow truck. But she realized a, as these guys got bigger, getting up into a tow truck like that, that's big enough to, uh, to tow a, a full size truck is going to be tough. And then having the room to get three of them in there would be definitely be tough too. Um, uh gingerbread says he crusher goes up and down two by ten at home and on the road i pick him up yeah that is a good that's a good idea james for sure uh you will definitely save on the back in the long run um uh, so that is that is kind of access issue and the the last uh one that we specifically deal with that that's on this list was um Never knowing the area that you're at. I mean, I guess now we we've kind of uh, experienced this for long enough. When we were in Texas for a for a, a, a decent stay, we really got familiar with the area there. But as we were traveling, as we're on uh, on a uh, just like the trip we took to South Dakota and back, or anytime we're moving to a new area, you don't know the area. You're not familiar with it. Uh, you're not familiar with. Um, the animals in the area, you're not familiar with um, the the predators in the area. If you have little dogs, uh, our guys, our guys are pretty nice in the fact that uh, not a lot of other animals really fuck with us uh, when we're walking one or all three of them. Other dogs really kind of don't don't give us much bother, but we have experienced the fact that. There are tons of stray dogs everywhere. It wasn't really a thing in Minnesota. You rarely saw a, a stray dog, and it was the weather, I think. <coughs> Not many dogs are going to survive by themselves all winter in Minnesota. I think as uh, as it gets colder, uh, they they have a tougher time surviving the winter, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of them don't make it if they are lost or strays. But as you move south, 
Texas was was absolutely ridiculous with stray dogs. Uh, I actually ran into a pack of stray dogs, or I don't know if they were stray or just neighborhood dogs. When we were in Mississippi, I was walking one of the dogs down the neighborhood road, and all of a sudden there were like five dogs like packing up and uh, and and standing off in the road with Clyde and I. And I ended up turning around, having to walk away and watch my back as they uh, they kind of followed us and stalked us back to the camper. So you never know what that those situations are. When you sit in some place, you kind of get a feel for that. Hey, there's a bunch of dogs around here. You get your one-offs. You get your your uh, your 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 ones that have run away. But in Tennessee and Texas, I've seen significant amounts of just stray dogs that live in the area. Uh, most aren't aggressive. Some can be. Uh, in Texas, when I was walking Clyde one day down the down the trail, we ran into a potbelly pig. Randomly, was it? Um, was it a danger to us? No, probably not. Uh, could it have been if it was uh, maybe a wild hog or something like that? Yeah. Uh, is Clyde bred our Great Dane breeds bred to hunt hogs? Yeah. Could it have been a sticky situation? I I'm glad it was a potbelly pig and he just went on his own way through the woods. But uh, not being familiar with the area, not being familiar with. Um, the predators coming from Minnesota, we didn't have any poisonous snakes, venomous snakes, whatever snakes are going to hurt you, uh, spiders, things like that. Um, coming to these other areas and really understanding the dangers for your pets uh, and yourself. Our dogs are not our dogs are not trained to stay away from a rattlesnake. I I think if we walked up and and our dogs heard a rattle. Well, two out of three of them would be very interested in it. They would be very interested in figuring out what that was. They've never experienced it. And it's uh, it's something that we think about quite a bit as we go to new areas. What are the dangers? What are the new, the new dangers in the area? And getting familiar with that area and your surroundings uh, as quick as possible. So those are the kind of the the breed specific challenges that we took on deciding to go in the camper with our guys. Real quick, I want to hit um, I want to hit uh, some that we we noticed as we were researching. Uh, other not necessarily breed specific, but uh, or even pets or dog specific. I've seen a lot of people that travel with cats, uh, people that travel with rabbits, people that travel with dogs, snakes, hamsters, guinea pigs. Uh, you know, the list is just like any normal list of pets you would have at a house. One of the things that they that people run into, I kind of touched on it with the platform in the back of the truck, is traveling with the pets. Containment. Uh, we watched a story of one of our uh, one of the the couples we followed that was a full time RVers that literally had to go to the emergency room because they shut the door on their cat's tail as they were driving, as they were leaving a gas station, and the cat attacked the guy's head. Scraped it all open, had to go in, get stitches. Um, it, was, it was an ordeal. It made us think about what happens if we get in an accident. The way our guys are in the backseat, the way our travel system works, everything... Uh, it doesn't really, it wouldn't work to have them tied up. Basically, we have missiles in the back of the, in the back of the truck. And, you know, other than, than getting hit, um, Corey, 
we're very cautious when we travel. We have our whole everything we have with us. Um, we try to avoid congested traffic, things like that. So hopefully flying dogs is not something we ever have to deal with. But a lot of people have issues containing pets in the car. Uh, pets uh, coming into the front seat, distracting you while you're driving. Our guys are really good about staying in the back. They just There's not enough room. But traveling issues with containing the animals in the vehicle while you're traveling, because it's not really an option to keep them in the travel trailer. That, that would just be, I believe that would be borderline torture uh, after seeing videos of what a travel trailer looks like when it's being pulled down the road. So, man, you want to give your pet anxiety, throw them in a travel trailer and drive for a couple hundred miles and see what happens. Um, one of the other things that uh, on the list is... Um, containing them to the trailer, whether you're there or whether you're going out. Uh, we've seen so many stories of dogs that have broken through doors, uh, broken through screen doors, especially screen doors on campers are not, uh, not made to contain a, a dog uh, through windows through uh, yeah, they're escape artists. Gates is what we, we ended up doing. We ended up taking uh, kennel panels and cutting them up and using them for gates to go over the doors and uh, the major windows that they could easily leap out of. Other people uh, use baby gates, things like that. One of the links in the Am one of the Amazon links in the video description is uh, actually a search for gates. Um, there aren't many RV specific gates, uh, but it is uh, it is there the baby gate style is really what people use and they work great. I don't think there needs to be a specific RV uh, function for that. I think they, they would mount just the same and work great. Uh, I see people that don't have dogs that are trying to escape use, uh, use the pull gates uh, like the, the retractable ones. They seem to work well. Uh, our gates uh, with the, with the, the, the kennel panels work just fine. And we are happy with that solution. But uh, keeping them in the camper. Um, and with that, uh, with that, that kind of leads into the next one is what happens if they run away? What happens when your dog runs away while you are traveling? How long do you wait for them? We, we have contemplated this. We keep pretty good tabs on our guys. Uh, we're very conscious of the fact that we don't want to go through the situation. But if your dog runs away and you're traveling, you go and look for your dog. You go and try to find it. Um, if you're at home, you go through the situation. You look for the dog. You tell your neighbors. You look for it. You keep looking for it. You put signs up. You're always in the same spot. How long do you stick around to try to find your dog? How, how long do you wait to make that decision that I can't stay here anymore? I have to move along. And, and what does that do to you psychologically? And is the dog, you're trying to decide, is the dog trying to find me? Is that dog trying to go back to where it was at home? Would our guys try to, to, to make their way back to Minnesota from Tennessee? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think our guys know what home is. I think we've been in the trailer long enough. But if you're out for a weekend and your dog takes off, is it going to come back? Or is it going to try to go home? How close are you to their home or what they think their home is? 
it gets to be a sticky situation and it's a very it's a, I think it's a tough call to make but it's something that we t- we think about uh we've discussed it and uh we try to avoid it uh like as, as much as we can uh Corey is very very adamant about gates and leashes and I'm I get a little lax on it I I have the confidence in our guys until they do stupid stuff and then all of a sudden I'm like yeah they're they're not <laughs> We need to we need to make sure they don't get away. Uh, so that is that is something that that just weighs on you. I can't imagine having to deal with it. Um, and the last thing I want to hit on before I wrap up here is uh, man dealing with car sickness. If you have a pet that has car sickness and you're going to be a full time RVer, have fun, have fun. Uh, we had Clyde. Clyde gets a little nervous uh, sometimes when we travel. He he would get a little upset stomach, throw up every once in a while. Um, I I have seen people that their 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 animals absolutely cannot ride in the vehicle without getting sick. Um, Corey has had animals, cats specifically, that uh, man. Every time it drove in a kennel in the car, it would shit in the kennel. Like, just that's what it did. Uh, we went through an experience of uh, of some upset stomach, sick dog uh on our trip back from our original trip back from washington our maiden voyage out to out to washington and back after we retrofitted the rv uh if you go to um youtube you go to tiktok uh, uh search uh poopa palooza i think is what we named it but uh yeah we had our 100 and 160 pound saint bernard uh having liquid fun all over the back all over his brothers um I don't want to ever deal with that again. I don't ever want to deal with that again. And I, I pity anybody that has to deal with it. But but having a plan for road sickness, for car sickness, um, and what you're going to do. Fortunately, we have an outside shower on the RV. We had water left in our tank. And we were able to use the outside shower to clean all the dogs. Uh, we were able to get the bedding out. But really, uh, really made us reevaluate Oh, what are we going to do if this happens again? It was the first time. Uh, I think we got through it very well and uh, and made it work. But it, it really made uh, it really made things interesting for the day for sure. Gingerbread says uh, good info on their tags and possibly microchip them. Yeah, I mean there is that uh, with a phone number, people can get a hold of you and you can you can come back. But uh, man, that that's that's just a call I don't want to have to make is leaving a pet and 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 moving along and moving along and and sometimes you have to, sometimes you don't have to. Say if we were here in Tennessee and it came April uh, and we were renting through May, it came May and one of the dogs got out. Man, like I I just don't know if I could get Corey to leave, and I don't think I would want to necessarily leave, uh, but. I'm guessing we would be extending our stay for quite for quite a while until uh, there is a definitive answer of what's going on with that dog. But like I said, you don't know if that dog took off and is trying to head back to Minnesota. It, it could be quite a while before it's found. But yeah, microchip and good info on the tags is always a good idea. Um, yeah, so that's it, guys. I got I had a couple of more things on the list, but I kind of covered them going through. Uh, this was an episode I just uh, I had the topic on my mind. I deal with it every day with the dogs and, and, um, 
and how we've kind of progressed dealing with the things over the year that we've been out here. They do great. Uh, we, we asked them, they didn't, they didn't choose to do this. We, we kind of brought them along on this adventure and I know they're probably much more comfortable where they were, but, uh, we try to do our best for them and, uh, make them comfortable. And, uh, yeah, I hope you, I hope, I hope having pets doesn't deter you from doing, uh, a camper thing, doing some full-time RVing, doing, uh, weekends away or spending time with your pet because it is definitely doable. There are just some challenges you have to think through and prepare for and make sure you're ready to handle. So anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap up tomorrow. We're talking coffee. We're going to talk about health concerns, uh, pros, uh, health pros, health cons, uh, myths, what's fact, what, uh, what you see out there is not necessarily the truth because you know, I've heard in my lifetime that caffeine is good for you. Caffeine is bad for you. Caffeine is good for you again. And now I think it's on the bad side. Uh, so what's true? I'm going to kind of dig into some things, uh, some science, some myths, and see see what we come up with. I'm not going to say that I'm giving you health advice by any means. I want you to do your own research. But uh, maybe this will spur you to kind of look into some things that you may believe are true that might not be or maybe you don't know are true and uh, you will be glad you discovered. But anyway, if you want to participate in the live comments of the show, you can always join the live recording Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find the post about the episode along with links to all my social media services I offer, recommended products, and companies I'm affiliated with at thelotsproject.com. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys, and we will catch up with you on Thursday.